You're listening to Bible Standard, a podcast about issues and ideas from a biblical worldview. My name is Jordan Ham. Join me as we find out what standard we live by. Adultery. So yeah, like I said before, adultery is the breaking of marriage covenant and um by scripture you you have the obligation to leave that relationship um there's other those other couple of the reasons but there's very far between that you can actually leave marriage and adultery is one of them because you've broken your promise you've broken your promise that you're not for that person 100 percent. and i'm and it's more than just they were mean to me today it's a i am i'm now for someone else or going for someone else besides you um, there are certain things like abuse and adultery that break the covenant because you're not, it's not just reason like abuse is, is a grounds for divorce is because it's not just, I was rude to you one day. I didn't, you know, I didn't ask how your day was going. Yeah, that's not for you, but that's not going to be harmful, but verbal or physical abuse or whatever it is, is harmful because you're actually damaging that person. Um, physically, mentally, whatever it is, you're damaging that person on purpose to bring pain. Um, and that's definitely not for the person that breaks the promise and the covenant and the church and the law needs to come in and help with that adultery. Same thing too. church and the law needs to come in and say, Hey, what's going on here? Let's deal with this. But adultery also has other implications too. Um, it, heavier topics here, but prostitution. Proverbs 23, 26-28. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For the prostitute is a deep pit, unadulterous and narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among, among mankind. Ooh, deep, heavy topic. The sinfulness of sexual sin is there waiting, waiting, take us out, and is a narrow well, it's deep, it's very sad, you do get something out of it, but it's very narrow, it's ways, it's dangerous, she's like, waits like a robber on the side of a road, waiting for someone in the alley at gunpoint to rob you, very, very dangerous situation. Um, porn slash sexual content is usually in movies, another form of adultery. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart, Matthew 5, 27 through 28, right there. See the prostitute going and seeking someone else, um, so many things and media and stuff that you can do. That's sin. Remember, that's sin. Um, the adulterous person also is dangerous because that attitude or person, if it can be attitude, a company, a person, whatever, it's seeking to destroy you because it's sin. It's seeking to destroy and kill you. And they also can come in forms of pornography or movies or any form of media, really, um, advertisement. And remember, we got to be careful. This is a sin too that I've struggled with in my past, and it's it's hard. It's still and it still lingers on today with me. It still has there is still this alluringness to it. Um, 
partly because it's there's those big things between males and females and how things work with them but that because partly it is good these relationship relationship with with um you know these relationships are good um but when it's done between a husband and wife this this act of of um love that comes out of this is, is good but when it's given out to other things that's not glorifying to god it's damaging and it's bad and it can lead to very dangerous and bad situations um another verse to help us um philippians 4 8 finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is com- commemorable if there is any excellence and there is anything worthy of praise think about these things so think to yourself is this book i'm reading glorifying to god is a tv show i'm watching glorifying to god is this video i'm watching glorifying to god is this person i'm talking to you glorifying to god is this thing i'm looking at glorifying and and i'm not just talking about sexuals i'm talking about anything really too what's our desire what's what's in our heart what's motivating for us and then if you go if you start having to make excuses why this is good stop there stop for a second realize that's sin you're making excuses and sometimes it's hard to see that. So if you're doing something, think about it. Just for just think about it for a minute. Okay? Compare it with scripture. Is this glorifying to God? Is this something I would want other people to know what I'm doing? Is this something that, you know, the the classic if Jesus is sitting right there, you know, what would you think? But he's there, he sees you. Because there is an old um old Puritan, I forget who said it, but he says for in Christ, Christ goes everywhere with us, even when we go into the brothel. We take Christ in. Remember, Christ lives in us. Holy Spirit dwells in us. God is with us. When we go into sin, any sin, we're taking Christ with us. Remember, we're little Christs. That's what Christians mean. We're little Christs. We're little reflectors. We're little, little image bearers in in this in, in Christ. And when we act in ways it's not, we're we're telling the world this is how Christ act acts. This is what Christ wants me to do. Proverbs twenty seven five through six. Now be very careful of judging others in these areas. If you suspect your brother, sister is sinning in these ways, pray about it and confront them in love and talk about it. Oh, whoops. Oh, sorry. That was James. I read the wrong one. I'm like, that does not sound like the Old Testament. That was James 5, 19 through 20. My bad. But with this verse, if you suspect your brother or sister are doing something they're not supposed to, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be very vigilant in judging them no be very careful in these areas if you suspect your brother or sister of sinning in this in these ways pray about it confront them and love them and talk to them different contexts this is in the context of of james 
Now, this part in James is helping to talk about Christians who are wandering from the faith and doing things they're not supposed to, but this also can apply to, in general, of Christian living, Christians, if you, and it's like, okay, let's say, example, if, if your brother or sister is listening to music that you just don't think they should be listening to, don't go up to them and say, you evil person, how dare you? Like, no, talk to them about it. Pray about it. Pray about it first. <laughs> pray about it first. Go to scripture. Talk about it. Don't go and say, I ask for prayer for an individual that I know that is struggling with this sin and just give me guidance. No, that's gossip. Don't go to other people and ask that. <laughs> this is the guy. If you're, you know what your motive is. But if, if we're making excuses for sin and we're doing sin, just, just stop for a minute. Recognize it. Compare to scripture. It's glorifying to God. Huh. And it's amazing. And it's just like, oh, there's so much stuff in my life that I just take for granted. And I, that I do not take for granted. That I sin. I sin when I'm in church worshiping. Did you know that? I sin in church when I'm worshiping. I'm when in the praise part of worship. And I'm sitting there, you know, singing the song. And then I'm like, huh, that song is good. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that person's shirt's weird. Oh, that person's raised their hands. They're so holy. Oh, and my mind can, my mind has a tendency to just go a thousand directions. Oh, I'm going to have for lunch today. Hmm. Speaking of lunch, you know, and I, my mind is sort of, I'm, I'm sinning because I'm not focusing on Christ. I'm either judging people, think about what I want. My mind's not for God. I'm sinning. Sitting in there, listen to the pastor. And I, now, do need to take my pastors to accountability and say, okay, if they're saying what is scripture, but let's say they say one little thing that I don't agree with. I can latch onto that and I can think about it all day and all week. And I'm like, you know, my pastors are just, I'm more holy. No, if they're in error, pray about it. If you think they're in error, pray about it and go and talk to them lovingly and say, Hey, you said this. What do you mean by that? Where'd you get that idea? You know, not in a rude like, where'd you get that idea? But hey, what do you think about that? Where'd you, where'd you come to the conclusion with that one? Just just curious. But this is the thing about Christian living, is is that we are, are here for each other and for God's glory. And it's ultimately for God's glory. Now, if you know your brother struggles with this, do, don't watch, read, or listen, or say anything that might trigger their sin. First Corinthians eight thirteen. What translation is that? That was weird. that was the weirdest translation. I've I'm like what translation? I'm using my ESV. I don't know. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. There we go. Sounds way better. <laughs> Sounds more holy to say it that way. I don't know what translation I used there, but in the, in that part of. First Corinthians, Paul's talking about eating the meat given to idols and talk to your brothers and sisters. If your brother struggles with that, don't do it around him. If you know your brother struggles with sexual sin, do not do anything around him that's going to cause him to stumble. Do not be unloving. Do not be unloving. Do not do that. If your brother struggles with gossip, don't bring up gossip situations. If your brother struggles with wanting to lose weight and eating don't eat something that will cause him to stumble in front of him just throwing out practical things here it's 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 us recognizing 
God first, then others, and us third. <laughs> it's putting that forward. And that's the thing about adultery. What adultery does is it puts me first, me first, me first, then me second, me second, me second, me third, me third, me third. Just like dishonoring your parents. Puts it me first, me third, and me fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. I forgot second. But anyway, me, 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 me. All the commandments, when it's disobeyed, is putting you first. Because let's remember, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, is I no longer live, but Christ who lives me and lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because remember who we were before Jesus. Ezekiel 16, 28, 31 context. This is to Israel, but applies to us, but it can apply to us too, because we recognize our sin. We're just the same. You played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them and still you were not satisfied. You multiplied in your whoring also with your tr- trading land of Chadian, and even with this, you were not satisfied. Now sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did not do all these things. The deeds of a bronze uh, of a bronze prostitute building your vaulted chambers at the head of the street and making your lofty place in every square. You, yet you were not, yet you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. Ooh, you didn't even want payment for what you're doing. You just wanted to do it. It's even worse. The prostitute does it for a career. (laughs) Not you. Not us. We just do it because we enjoy it. That's the scary part (laughs) in, in our sin. We're that way. I read that and I was like, oh, ow. I just seek after what I want and whatever I want. Uh, there's a spot in um, Isaiah and f- f- first couple of chapters of Isaiah. Um, it talks about <laughs> the people even eat their own arms because um, I'm trying to find that because I, I thought I had it on here. Apparently I don't eat their own arms because it uh, made them satisfied. It satisfied them. Oh, come on. I thought I had it. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, Isaiah 9, 20. And he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry, and he shall eat on the left hand, and they shall be not be satisfied. And they shall not be satisfied. They shall eat every man the flesh of his own arm. We're so wrapped up in our own sin. We're willing to even eat our own arm. And yet we're still not satisfied. We're still seeking. That's what our sin does. That's what, and, and that's what this sin adultery does. It's it's wrapped up in this wholeness of heart attitude motives for, for seeking self-satisfaction. And it's just, it's, ugh. And that doesn't, and it just doesn't go there. It goes with any single thing we do in our life. For, for ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not deceive, neither sexual moral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkard, nor um, revile, real, how do you, what? Revilers, 
Violer, sorry, revilers. <laughs> messed up there. No revilers. No swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I love how the Bible doesn't hold punches. I love it so much because at one, it shows me that this is a truth. This this truth. Okay. If you were trying to make a religion, number one, you wouldn't show how bad you were and to make the Bible does not hold punches. It shows everybody with all their sins laid out there like dirty laundry. It doesn't hold punches. And then here it's like, you want to hear it? The kingdom of God? Well, you can't do any of this stuff. And we're like, what? Oh, I could probably pick a couple of things off that list. <laughs> Ooh. But then, but some of you were like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified by Jesus. Only because of Jesus. Paul's <laughs> just like, Jesus. Just Jesus. Not you, Jesus. Because if it weren't for Jesus, you'd still be like this, if not worse. Because we don't even want payment for it. We just want to do it. We just want to be sinful people without even recognition. It's just fun. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heaven places, even as he's chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. It's amazing. It's amazing what God does to us. We were the prostitute. We were the whore. Go read Hosea. Read that book. <laughs> we're not Hosea. We're Gomer. It's, it's it's amazing. It blows my mind to see how God treats us. Mercy and grace. <laughs> we don't deserve it. And even as we're Christians and we've been um, sanctified and you know we're justified and we're progressive sanctification <coughs> Ooh, didn't mean to cough in the i cough that way and as i'm coughing I'm like okay good i'm, I'm done coughing and one little cough <laughs> sorry but it's uh, it it's just it just amazes me when i see the gospel there and my sin is there and god goes yep yep this is you and not only this i'm gonna i'm gonna show you who you really are so you really know because i know the truth because i know the heart you don't know the heart you don't even know your own heart i know the heart i know the heart of every man that's ever lived and will live yet i choose you and i love the choosing i know there's different debates on the choosing but look at this Calvinist, I'm a Calvinist, guys, okay? I love this verse. God chose us before the foundation of the earth in his own choosing. Choosing. He didn't look at it and say, hmm, who's going to choose me? So I'll choose them or this free. No. He chose me and not Joe that's sitting right next to me. There's no actually person sitting next to me. Okay, it's a metaphor. He chose you. Listen, listener who's listening. If you're a Christian, you're saved and you're born again. He chose you. And not that other person that you know that's not saved. Okay? He chose you. Why? Because he's God and he wants to. He chose you because he wanted to. Now, I've heard people say, well, 
Uh, so why we evangelize? We evangelize because we don't know who's going to be chosen. We just preach the gospel. God does the saving. We're just the messengers. God does the saving work. Even our words are faulty. Did you know even our prayers are faulty? God has to clean them up. God has to clean up our prayers, everything. Jesus said, even your best you can do is dirty rags. Let you look up what that means. But yeah, it's when the God, when you, when we get to come to the gospel and get to see the radicalness of God saving sinners for His own glory, for His own purposes, it blows my mind. And then especially when you have passages like Ezekiel, and you're like, "Ooh, oops, that's me." And if you don't recognize it, you, I ask, please go read it, pray. Pray, read it. It's it's a beautiful passage of God just laying it flat out to us. To Israel, we get to see our own selves in Israel's sins. <laughs> but then let's take this attitude. Do we judge others? Do we? Do we judge others? Do we, do we go, wow, look at them. Alaris Center. Do we recognize that we're a sinner too? Do we recognize that if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be just like them? Even our own brothers and sisters in Christ, we look at other Christians and go, no, I'll never do that. Never say never, my friend. Never say never. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, make you pay more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Or, I think it's the backwards. I think it's take you further, I think it's take you further you want to go, make you stay longer you want to stay, and make you pay more than you ever wanted to pay. So what sin does. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. So yeah, that's this episode. <laughs> I hope it um hope it was good. I hope you enjoyed it. I really do. I really hope you enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. Um, just to me talk. I hope I didn't talk too fast. But I'm trying to keep this a little short. Because they're going on twenty one minutes. Oh man. I had a goal. I didn't keep it. Oh well. I have a tendency to talk a lot, like I am right now. <laughs> but, but but in all honesty, thank you for listening. Um, and just go out and you know just practice holiness and righteousness because we can. We have the freedom to, and we have the gospel, and we can just oh, and bring it to people and say, "Look, look, look!" And, and that's the cool thing about being a Christian is I am free to tell you my sins with you know maturity and respect into the right council in the right company but like yeah listen guys i've struggled with every single one of these commandments some more than others and the thing is it's it's just it's just amazing to see the gospel say and to to bring a mirror to my face and say look like the, i forget where passages where it is in the bible but it's like you know we don't want to be like men who look at their face in the mirror and then forget what they look like when they walk away no we want to look at that mirror and go Oh, wow. That's me. I'll look. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the gospel's like, yeah, it's, it's, that's who you are. Now you need Jesus. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll get Jesus. Put it in my backpack. No, 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 no. Now you need it out of yourself. I'm like, right, I, need, I need to do what? You need to deny yourself and die to yourself and give up all what you want. And do it for Christ and live for God and live for others. I'm like, what? I can't do this. No, you can't do it on your own. No, you need Jesus to do that. You need a new nature. You need to be born again. You need to have new desires. 
I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, cool. And I'm like, well, you know, punishment's also hell. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, we don't do fear mongering. But, you know, there are times when I'm thinking, like, when I'm sinning, when I'm sinning, you know, I'm angry at someone, whatever my sin is. What's that? I'm getting angry at somebody and I and I don't apologize. You know what will pop up once in a while in my head at randomly? Hell. Or passages like, you know, people who don't inherit the kingdom of God. I'm like, <clears throat> Maybe I need to go forgive because I've been forgiven. Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> and just a sweet little little whack on the head. Like, all right, that's that's not right. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I'm just saying the gospel is amazing. Jesus Christ is amazing. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's cool. So thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a great day. I'm trying to think of anything announcements. Oh, yes. Me and a friend who does listen to this podcast. Actually, might be the only ones listening to these podcasts. I have no idea. We'll be starting a podcast together trying to. Um, so when that gets up and going, hopefully it does, then y'all can listen to our chitter chatter. I'll be the one mostly talking, though, because I have a lot of tendency to talk a lot. Um. So, yeah, as you can tell, this will be like an hour long video. Um, a hour long podcast again. But anyway. I mean, I keep coughing. I don't know why that is. But yeah, um, the uh, sixteen eighty nine series will be going up probably. I'm trying to think later in like August or something like that. I don't know. I haven't gotten started yet. I'm going through the book right now, putting things together. But I'm like, oh shoot, that's actually coming up really quick because <laughs> I'm on episode seven. <laughs> Ow, that's quite crazy. But um so yeah, hopefully that goes well. This gonna be that's hopefully it's gonna be a little more chill. Then again it might be serious. I don't know. It depends on um whatever um Lord leads me to do. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. So I'm trying yeah, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. So hope you all have a wonderful day. Hope you all enjoyed this. Go serve your king. The Baptist Catechism. Question 5. May all men make the use of the Holy Scriptures? Answer. All men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Holy Scriptures. Verses to back this up. John 5, 38. John 17, 17 through 18. Revelations 1, 3. And Acts 8, 30. Brought to you by Teaching Truth and Trading Hearts by Dr. Tom J. Nettles. Understand what the Bible says. Adultery, Marriage, and Covenants. This is what we will be discussing today in Episode 7 of the Ten Commandment series. As Christians, we've heard this commandment many, many, many times, you shall not commit adultery. We have a broad sense and a good understanding of what it means by the how our parents act, how our church acts with each other, and it's how the world acts with each other in relationships. So we have a pretty good idea of what this means in a basic family structure. At the same time, it's got a deeper sense in the family structure, and not just in the family structure, but in personal living.
Also, marriage. What is marriage? What's it look like? What's it for? And then covenants, how that plays out in our personal lives through our salvation and our day-to-day interaction with others. This is kind of what we'll be discussing today in this episode. And I hope that my main goal, I should say, in this episode is to not show us how to act and how to, how to act in marriage and outside of marriage. But my main goal in this episode, within every episode, is to point it to Jesus and how ultimately we are the ones who committed adultery against him and how he cleaned us with the cross. So, as we're going to get into the episode, um, I don't really have any announcements, <laughs> really, that I can think about, but I do um, just want to just ask that you hopefully enjoy this episode, <laughs> I guess, but um, we're going to get, get right into it. So, Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. Pretty simple. Like I've said before, very, very simple commandments, very, very simple instructions. However, our sin nature makes this very, very complicated and hard to carry out. So what is adultery? Well, the Oxford Dictionary gives a very simple um, but yet accurate description of what this means. Um, Voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. Pretty simple definition. Having sexual relations with someone who you are not married to. You cannot commit adultery with your wife or your husband. It's impossible. So, what does this all mean? <laughs> but with this definition, I also want to give a biblical definition. So the Greek word for adultery is the word mochaya. Um, it means pretty much the same thing in some ways um, as the English definition, but also as a broader sense. Um, it, is, it, is, it means what we think it means, but also refers to... Um, uh, seduction of a free woman under protection of kurios, which kurios is in the Greek means Lord. So what this word, it doesn't just mean, um, if this makes any sense, this um, machaya does not just mean um, a man having relations with an unmarried woman. I'm not married woman, woman that is not his wife or vice versa. Um, it means that a man who has gone um, have relations with a woman um, that she is not lord to or protected a uh, protected um, from by, by a lord um, and lord um, kuyas means butchering that probably because I, d- I just listened to how I pronounced it and it's 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 kuyas but I'm butchering just a little bit because I don't really understand Greek that much or if at all. <laughs> but uh, th- this word means Lord, Master. Um, it usually refers to Christ and God. But this word also has been referred to referring to husbands or headships of households. And uh, brief summary here. Um, like, like what's, let's go back to Abraham's day. Uh, he was the Lord of his household. And Sarah would have called him Lord, like in 1 Peter 3, 5 through 6. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used 
to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are and you are her children if you do good and do fear anything that is frightening, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Excuse me. So right there, um, the woman has a lord. The woman's always going to have a lordship over her. Um, that is to her father. Um, she'll be submitting under her father, the head of the household, the lordship, or then she'll be sitting to mar- submitting to her husband, the lordship of the household. Now, little side note, man, there's not a right for you to go around demanding your wife to call her, to call you lord. No, that was a culture in the time. It's the, it's the, it's the idea of, of the man as the head, whole, head of the household. And things have changed culturally, so we, we don't submit our own culture to the way culture was back then. But at the same time, we do can glean things from their lives. But no, men, it's not a right for you to go around asking and demanding your wife to call you Lord. But anyway, but here, the, the kind of what's going on in this passage here um, in, in Exodus is referring to Mostly referring to a man going to a woman that is not submitted to him and taking advantage of her or taking her and having um, sexual relations with her. Um, and it is also a woman then submitting herself either um, willfully or being taken advantage of to a man um, that is not her lord willingly or forcefully. So either way. Forcefully is obviously another category of sin that we're not going to get into, but the willingness to on, 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 on both sides. But in our culture, the way we define it is cheating, <laughs> cheating on your spouse. So yeah, kind of a, a wrap up in that definition of kind of what what's, what's going on here in this passage. I do recommend, on a side note, please, I highly recommend, go listen to... Doug Wilson's episode 14, Biblical Courtship. Great, great um, discussion on biblical courtship. I loved it. Blew my mind. I love how he uses scripture, and I love how he just goes back and also uses the Old Testament. It's amazing. Now, he does use the Old Testament carefully because we're not under the Old Testament, but he gleans wisdom from the Old Testament and then also applies it to Christ. It's amazing. Totally recommend it. Blew my mind on courtship and how I'm going to um, pursue a spouse um, in a more, and I think, more biblical manner um, and just a more uh, godly manner. Now, I'm not saying there's any right way or wrong way. Okay, obviously, there is wrong ways to do it, but there's not a 100% completely right way to do it. There is wrong ways, but I totally recommend going and listening to Doug Wilson's Biblical Courtship, episode 14. So... Moving on from that adultery, we all have heard and understood kind of what this means. Um, we understand the broad sense of it. Um, like I've discussed, you know, a couple of months before, you know, having sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse. But then we know the famous text in Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this verse here is profound. Not only, like the last episode with murder, 
not only is this verse profound and saying, oh, look, it goes deeper, but Jesus is, um, Jesus is showing that the outward adultery, that, that is way worse than actually the heart intent, actually committing adultery is way worse. But the inwardness of coveting, looking at something that you want in, in, in this way with lustful intent is the motivation, is the seed that, um, that births, um, that births this sin. So Jesus is attacking, and you can take this, we take this idea with murder and with adultery, and we apply this to, um, all the Ten Commandments. I mean, we can apply this to, you know, um, you know, there is one, only one God. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's only one God, duh. I know, I believe, I'm a Christian, I believe there's only one God. But then our heart attitude, um, leads us to believe there are more gods and how we serve and who we serve in our lives um, and what we worship. And then we know, don't come any, don't make yourselves graven images. We say, well, I don't make a graven image and bow down to it. No, we don't. But our heart attitude does. We form things in our lives. The Sabbath, you know, oh, you know, there's different views on the Sabbath, but in our heart attitude, what's our motive um, towards the Sabbath? What's our motive to, to just dedicating time to the Lord in general? Um, so this, this attitude, it, Jesus is concerned with the heart attitude. Um, it's not just what we do because what we don't do on the outside makes us look holy and righteous, but what's going on the inside is nasty and disgusting. <laughs> I, one of the things I love is if you are talking to someone who doesn't believe they're a bad person or sinful, or you really want to help someone see their sin, just ask them if you took a tape recorder or a voice recorder, or you could somehow put a microchip in their head and record every thought that they were thinking through that day for the whole week and split it in front of their friends and family, would they want anybody to see that? And the quick answer usually is going to be no, because we quickly realize when we have accountability and witnesses, we are pretty bad people because our hearts are deceitfully wicked. But the idea of adultery is is serious, not just because, you know, two people have made a promise to each other and know someone's breaking the promise, but because marriage is not man's. Okay, man did not design marriage. Marriage was designed by God for a man and a woman, and also it was also designed for a bigger picture of Christ and the church. Funny thing with that is with our culture and how we're going through weird things with sexuality and all that. We, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Every every day something new comes out. If you look in, in history, throughout history, different cultures at different times will have different ideas of marriage and different ideas of um, adultery. But... And in the th- and the weird thing is, in the general sense, in the general sense, um, adultery is always viewed as bad. It's not really looked upon highly. Even polygamy is not always looked as correct. And and we can see this even through the Bible. I know that some of our you know some of the you know heroes of the faith that we look at had multiple wives, and you can see that that wasn't God's intent. And you can see that generally they didn't leave them in good situations. It generally, generally led in 
very, very bad situations when they had multiple partners because things get complicated. Things get really complicated and messed up. So it doesn't work out (laughs) ever. (laughs) So we we can also tell just from the, you know, God gave um, Adam Eve and Eve is for Adam. It's two. It's God's design. Um, God does bless people who do take on multiple wives, but doesn't always go well for them. Go further in history. God kind of says, you know, with the kings of Israel, one wife, multiple wives, not good. We see this through, um, even through Proverbs 31, um, about the mother talking to her son about um, taking a wife. And we just see this pattern um, kind of behind the picture in some ways here and there um, of, uh, of one man one woman and there are other exceptions yes especially like to protecting your brother's wife when you pass away and there's other things here and there but in a general sense it's usually going to work out with one man one woman and it generally works better that way now especially with the church the church has now established pretty much that no one one man one woman so we obey the church Obey what the church does, and we can see patterns of this. And through church history and church fathers and church tradition, we know this is the best way to do it. So, speaking of marriage, what is marriage? What is this weird thing that marriage seems to be? Well, here's something interesting on the culture aspect. If you go and look at also other cultures, what are some of the things that every culture will have in common? Give you a second to think about um, think about three things that a culture will generally have throughout his human history. There'll be different degrees and levels of it, but think about it just for a second. I here have one, two, three, four, five. I have five things. So I'll give you five and see if any of these actually match up with your list. Number one, marriage. Number two, family. Number three, law. Number four, work. And number five, worship. All of these five things. Well, actually, the funny thing is, uh, work worship here. I actually put workship, which is like, what's worship? I'm like, oh, worship. I typo. But these five things, all cultures will have. We'll have a form of marriage. We'll have a form of family. We'll have a form of law. Have a form and a sense of work. And have a form of worship to gods to spirits to self whatever it's going to be a form of worship these five things all cultures throughout human history will have some sense and level of them the reason that is because these five things are very important to human history human progressive sorry humans progressing in the world and also how god designed the world god designed the marriage system which leads into the family system by be fruitful, multiply. Um, so for, for marriage and family are designed by God. Law. Law is designed by God. Um, you should not eat the fruit of the garden. That's a law. God gave him a law. So we have three things given by God. Work. Um, man didn't work um, on their own way. God told him to go work. Um, work the garden. Subdue the earth. And worship. Worship God. You know, we're told. Um, now, side note. We're actually never told explicitly. You actually go down through a little while, way down through the Bible, before God actually demands worship to himself. It's because it's going to be progressively natural for a man to worship God. But as sin progresses in the Bible, man's heart slowly and quickly starts turning to self and start worshiping himself more and more and more. So then God brings in 
Um, I can't remember explicitly where in Genesis. I think it's in Genesis. Maybe maybe later in Genesis. But God demanding worshiping to himself happens later on in the Bible than you actually think. But the concept of worship to God, slow down here for a second. The concept of worship to God is established in a man's heart because man is designed to worship. Man is designed to work. Man is designed to obey law. Man is designed for marriage. Man is designed for family. These things are established by God. And these five things, um, five things I could think about. There might be more, but these are five things that I could think about. Um, push human culture and human history forward. So if a, so, I'm going a little long here. I'm going 17 minutes, but I'm going to try to attack a couple of these things and see how well our culture will work. Okay, so a culture that does not worship... Well, that culture does not exist because man will worship something. Man will worship self. Man will worship nature, gods, whatever. Man cannot help but worship. So a culture that does not worship is a dead culture, meaning they're all dead in the ground and buried. I mean, that, like Pompeii. That culture didn't worship after a while because they all died. So a culture does not work. A culture does not work is dead <laughs> because a culture does not work will die. Man does not work, does not eat. A culture does not work will fall apart. Don't want to quick I'm gonna quickly get into modern times right now, but in our culture in America, we're dealing with these people that don't want to work and work and we have shortage of work hands and our production lines are shorted short and things are going messed up because we have people who are not working and are living off the government. What's happening to our culture? Inflation Price is going crazy. Things are not smooth because we're not working. Please work. So a culture that is not worship or work is a dead culture or a going to be a dead culture. <laughs> um, law, a culture that has no law. Hmm, can you guess what is going to be a dead culture? <laughs> or we're going to be a dead culture because a culture that has no law is absolute chaos and evil. And even some of the worst cultures that we can think in history, even the Nazis had law and order. There's law and order. Some of the worst people we can think about as a Nazi, right? Especially today, law and order. They had law and order. Evil law and order, but still had law and order. You don't steal. Why? Because I don't like things taken from me. We don't lie. Why? Because I don't like to be lied to. So all cultures are going to have some form of law. Now, does that mean every culture has the exact same form of law? Absolutely not. You can find a hundred YouTube videos out there on weird laws, just in the States alone, weird laws around the cultures and the um, uh, globe. <laughs> so... Even we even have weird cultural laws that may differ from like going to California, even New York. We have these weird little laws that are not official, but we have little things, do's and don'ts, taboos that we just don't do. Like surprisingly, in um, uh, back in the day, uh, it's still illegal, but not as much anymore, that walking across the street with a vehicle, the jaywalking, that was viewed as highly, highly bad. So that's a cultural law that we don't, really obey anymore we use crosswalks but the jaywalking aspect is is not obeyed as much anymore as it used to be go look it up it's very fascinating even um tipping at restaurants um we don't tip i mean we tip here but over in other countries they don't tip and even tipping is even viewed as rude um in some countries so yeah 
know, think about some weird laws that you might know or cultural <laughs> agreements that we do that, um, you know, holding up the door for somebody. That's a cultural thing to do. And someone who doesn't hold the door for someone is usually viewed as rude. So it's not a law, like a law law, but it's a law that we all obey general conduct. Okay, so moving on before I go around in circles. Um, number four, family. A culture that has no family is completely in chaos. <laughs> A culture that has no family is in complete chaos. Now, family will look differently from cultures. So if you think like Native Americans, they have tribal families. A lot of them are, a lot of them are related. Um, a lot of this inner intermarrying in, in these tribals are all related somehow. Um, maybe different clans, if tribes in, in systems or tribes coming together. Um, or you think of modern day where we have little um, nuclear families um, that work together. Um, so we have these systems with families and then we have like, you know, you think of like the Irish where like their family structure is very family oriented. So we have these different forms of family, ideas of family that progress a culture forward because without family, without these bonds and relationships, a culture has no structure and support. And we don't know who's who. We don't know where to go. We don't have support. And so things just kind of fall apart because family is not there and then the fifth one marriage without marriage um the family structure falls apart because we don't know who's mom who's dad who's brother who's sister who do i marry who do i don't marry by our culture definitions um other sins come out when marriage is not obeyed correctly um when marriage is not obeyed correctly, then family is not obeyed correctly, then law is not obeyed correctly, then work is not obeyed correctly, and then worship is then completely worshiping everything else. <laughs> because it starts in the, it starts with marriage, and like a couple episodes before, with honoring your parents, when mom and dad are not obeying God correctly, the family falls apart, which teaches kids not to obey the law, which then teaches kids not to do good things, and then ultimately ultimate thing is we're worshiping self and not god so kind of interesting i found that very fascinating watched a couple of videos did read some articles and kind of gathered this information like that was that kind of blew my mind with this but sidetracking here so the original thing was saying marriage what's the reason for marriage marriage is a foundational pillar for society the reason marriage is not designed by man but designed by god so what does that mean that means man doesn't get to redefine marriage but man has and god has allowed it to happen god has told us rights and wrongs but man did not design marriage that's why open relationships are not good because marriage is a covenant a closed covenant between a mother or oh, between a <laughs> between a wife and a husband and husband for his wife. Um, and the mother and the father are for the children. And the children recognize mother, mom and dad and their relationship to each other and their promise keeping to each other and their diligence to each other despite their um, sinfulness. And the children learn to show grace and compassion and keep promises to work diligently even in the rough times. Children learn morality. <laughs> said that really weird but they learn morality polygamy relationships 
the reason so actually i'll tie back with open relationships then the kids see that it's kind of a it's kind of a fun fest or a, a um uh what's the word i'm looking for like a um big big food line you could go pick your food shoot what's the word i'm looking for it's on the tip of my tongue oh shoot um ponderosa that type of situation man i can a buffet Whew. good grief i could not remember that to save my life it looks like a buffet system there is no promise keeping you can do whatever you want there's no consequences from a certain standpoint um people get hurt um people it, it's just a bad situation because there's no commitment to each other long term because it's open it's whatever you want um you know, and, and that's, and that's sad kind of, if you keep your back door, what, you know, one of your parents say, you know, don't keep the back door open. You're going to let the bugs in, you know, in that kind of situation, you leave the door open, good things will come in, but bad things can also come in too. Polygamy relationships, um, these type of relationships, not good Children see that who do we commit to? Do we commit to everybody? There's this confusion on promise keeping and, and um, submitting yourself to one person and things get messed up. And it's just this. I mean, how, how would it look like with Christ for the church? And then was like, well, you know what? I'm also going to bring, you know, the church, my sanctified church that I've had. But you know what? I'm also going to bring in bring in the wicked into this relationship the 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 unelect into his relationship just because you know I feel like it. Whoa, things can go crazy. Um, that would completely start contradicting scripture. I mean, there's there's a lot of things God's not going to do that. But I'm saying, like, think how it would be if you had the church that goes out to the wicked and the sinners and the lost and say, "Hey, come to Christ." I was just like you, come in here, and then Jesus is like, you know what? Change my mind. They can come in too. They're not obligated to anything else, but you guys are things would go crazy um so just think about and just think about your own think about your own lives if you're married or you have parents and you've seen them married think of all of a sudden your parents decided you know what we're gonna bring someone else in this relationship whoa things would go completely chaotic um so yeah and then the last one gay marriage you know um homosexuality all these marriages it's not good because Men and men are not compatible with each other, and women and women are not compatible with each other, and then all mixture of things. But if you actually look at it, um, and even scientifically, in psychology, and just reality, all these E's and things, men and women are designed for each other. They are compatible. They, they work. Um, a man and a man can't have a kid. A woman and a woman can't have a kid naturally <laughs> um that's one thing that's that's one thing and that contradicts god's commandment to um adam and eve go be fruitful and multiply you know they can't do that naturally um and i know you've heard the joke or the saying you know god made adam and eve not adam and steve yes i understand that but instead of just making jokes or statements it's a true fact but the reality of it too is one, it's a command by God not to do it. Not just in the Old Testament. Okay. I know the Leviticus chapters, well, if you're saying it's abomination, then why are you eating shellfish and mixed clothing? That's true. 
It's a true statement there, but it also got carried over to the New Testament, and it's mentioned multiple times. And so, side note, Paul was not gay, okay? Maybe shocked to some of you, but I don't... I've watched so many stuff before about uh, liberal Christianity, and that was one of the things that was brought up. I was like, what? Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know why I said that. Popped in my head. There you go. Research it yourself, the caution. But yeah, that's, that's a viewpoint that is pushed around by some circles. Uh, it's weird. But anyway. Rabbit trail there for a second. Anyway. <laughs> But no, it just doesn't work. In the natural form of things, in obeying scripture, it doesn't work. Um, it just doesn't work. It's a result of sin. Usually a result of other sins. In in result, It's a result of other sins on the person, the structure of the family, usually neglect and abuse. Um, so it's just a bad situation. And it's another. And out of that comes this sin. Um, and then you have a culture now that's praising it. And now it's it's just... It's a mess. And what we just need to do with these people, with these relationships, is care for them, love them, preach the gospel. Um, do it with gentleness and respect. Um, but don't shy away from telling the truth. So, now, <laughs> we're talking about marriage. I'm going to kind of speed through this one real quick. Genesis 2, 23 through 25. Then the man said to this, at last, it is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Flesh. I said fleth, whatever that. Start over. Then the man said to this, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Genesis 2, 23 through 25. So marriage, what is important about it? We know what marriage is. Christians, um, this is mostly meant for us to talk in here. So we understand we have context. But what is marriage? What is marriage for? Is it for sex? Is it for having kids? Is it living together? Is it the vows? What is it? What makes marriage special than any other relationship out there? What makes, and that's a good question. Think about that for a second. What makes marriage different between you and your parents or you and your best friend or you and your coworker or you and your boss or you and your pastor or you and your government leaders? What makes it different? Well, it is because of sex. It is the sexual relationship. That is one thing. It is between those two that it is supposed to be done in scripture. And the result of that comes kids, you know? comes children so those are two aspects it is living together but not just living together but living together for each other with each other um in the progressiveness of raising a family and subduing the earth by working and making things and just pushing the gospel further and further it is the vows it is a specific promise to each other um that's what kind of wraps the whole thing together and starts the whole process you do not when you're born your parents do not say ah my child i make a vow with you for this day forth i am your parent and you are my child you will obey me and honor me and i will be for you and protect you do you agree? And the baby cries. 
because the child can't do that. No, there's not. There is a general um, responsibility given to a parent to a child because the child can't make that decision. God has given that responsibility. The parents say, you are now responsible for this child, which is why abortion is murder because a person is a person, no matter how small, and that person needs to be protected because they cannot protect themselves. And when we kill someone, can't protect themselves, we take someone's life, it's called murder. One is done illegally. But sadly, in our country, it's legal. Anyway, moving on from that, I talked about in the last episode, moving along before I get sidetracked. But yeah, so marriage vows, and when you go work at, now when you go to a workplace, you do make an agreement, you do make a vow, you do make a promise that you're going to show up, that you're going to work hard and your best, and in exchange for that, you get moolah, money, money, money. Something that we all love, doesn't it? But yes, money. Um, so there's an exchange there. There's a bartering system. But here's the thing. The difference between a employer and employee is it's a barter system. It's a trade. I give you this, you give me this. And if I do this, you give me this. And if I do really good, you might give me more of this. It's a barter system. That's not how marriage works. It's not you give me this and I give you this. No, that's not how it works. Different relationship between parent and child. It is a, I do this for you because you've done this for me, but not because you've done this for me, but because I'm told to do this for you. Child is supposed to do this for the parent, not because of the parent's done, but because commandment by God to do stuff for the parent and obey the parent. And the parent is supposed to train the child how to be an adult, grow up, be successful, Everything he does, obey the law, obey God, love God, love others. So, there's a different relationship. There's not a some kind of vow taken anywhere here. There is an agreement, but the parent has authority to inf- to um, project and to put their authority and stamp on the child. And the child has no say. And even when the child bucks and wants to do the other thing, the parent has the right to discipline the child. Marriage does not get to happen that way. The husband does not get to inflict punishment or consequences on the wife for not doing what he wants, or vice versa. Same thing with the government. The government is here to protect us and provide for um, help the culture progress forward, protect us from sin, and to keep sin at bay by military and police systems and laws and courts. And when that disobeyed, the law has the government has the right to inflict force and death if necessary by law. It does not get to happen in the family system. The husband does not get to kill the wife if the wife doesn't make the right potato salad he wanted. Or the wife does not get to kill the husband no matter how annoying he may get because he didn't pick up his socks for the hundredth time. No, different relationship here. Marriage is a team effort. It's a husband and wife working together, moving forward, having children, um, sharing the gospel to them, worshiping together, fighting sin together, two sinners living under the same roof for each other. Husband loves his wife. Wife serves her husband. Beautiful picture. Completely a different relationship. So, covenants. As I was talking about, that's that's this that's what makes marriage different is the vow system. Hopefully, I'm not talking too fast because I feel like I'm talking too fast, but I'm gonna slow down. Covenants. This is what separates. <coughs> excuse me. This is what separates um 
the marriage system. So like in um, Genesis um, chapter 2, 23, then the man said this at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man right there. Adam is making a marriage vow. Oh, she's a bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. I'm going to be for you just as me because like in Ephesians, jump all the way to the New Testament, a man never hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Talking about marriage. Ephesians chapter 5. So yeah, that right there is a marriage covenant, a covenant that was made. And then God makes promises to us. He says, hey, go be fruitful, multiply, go to earth, and don't eat the tree. Then I'll drink the new evil. Because the day you eat it, you shall surely die. There is God's, there you go. Do what you want to do. And and guess what? In an unfallen world, they're going to do all for God's glory. So it's all for him. Give it all to them. Go do it. Make yourselves happy. Do it to your heart's content. Do it for my glory. This is awesome. This is an amazing relationship we have. Sin comes in. Uh-oh. Destroys that. Man is not for self. We break the covenant between God. We're self-centered. We want to do our own thing. Covenant broken. Perfect world destroyed. Because of man. So guess what? We need something. We need help. We need a savior. That's why when God establishes the coolest thing ever in Genesis chapter 3, when he gives the promise. Let me... Looked it up real quick. I thought I had it in my notes, but apparently I do not. But I love, <coughs> excuse me, I love this passage in Genesis 